What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Christian McCaffrey out for the season, for the second season in a row. We're going to be saying that. Although I guess we get a little bit more clarity here in 2021 rather than just waiting for him to come back like we did last season. But Chuba Hubbard is available in about 40% of CBS leagues. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about Alexander Madison and his opportunity. Don't forget the Andre Swift got hurt. That was way back on Thursday. It was a terrible week. And the number three wide receiver in fantasy, Debo Samuel, is also going to miss some time. Anything else, Chris? Did I miss anything? Um, wouldn't, wouldn't Debo Samuel also be probably a top 10 running back? So, you know, another top 10 running back out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have to worry about the running back eligibility number, thing. Number three. For a while. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, hopefully oh, he's he, got a short-term injury, but he is going to miss a little bit of time, apparently. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's bad. You know, that, that's, there's no way around it. Everything that we're seeing right now, the, the injuries that we're, that we're seeing around the league, um, it was bad. I mean, you didn't even mention, and, and this has kind of gone on the ra- under the radar, but Aaron Rodgers said after last night's game that he is considering having surgery on his toe during the bye week. And obviously, you know, the way they've talked about it doesn't sound like it would cause him to miss time, but anytime you, you, you're talking about surgery, there, there's risk there. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know if you mentioned him. Nope. And they're on down, but he may not play in, in week 13. Let's see, Darren Waller. Uh, had a knee strain on Thursday. Jalen Hurts uh, was a little hobbled by an injury late in Sunday's loss. Uh, Pat Fryermuth uh, was evaluated for a concussion after Sunday's game. So, yeah, a lot of injuries in uh, yeah. in Week 12. Yeah, and quarterback's been kind of stinky lately. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. Chris has broken it down very nicely over the last five weeks, what we've seen from the, at the quarterback position. Uh, but... A guy that, hey, could be, if he got the opportunity, could be fantasy relevant, Taysom Hill. He's got, apparent, I don't know if he has plantar fasciitis or something similar to plantar fasciitis, but he's got a serious foot issue going on, and we may not see him start for a little while. I was hoping that this would finally be the week for Taysom Hill to take over the job, but I think that foot's going to probably, probably prevent that. So, all right, let's talk about the news here. I don't think it's too complicated with Minnesota. Cook is not out for the season officially, but... In the meantime, you have to get Alexander Madison if he's available. He's 78% rostered. He's obviously going to be a must-start player. 
What do you think about the 49er situation? Though? We'll get to Chuba Hubbard in just a second. 49er situation. It's If Debo misses, let's say he misses two games, Seattle and Cincinnati, both on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does this mean for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's actually been a top 10 quarterback over the last five weeks, and Kittle and Ayuk? Um, well, one, I, I think that Garoppolo being a top 10 quarterback you know, might highlight some of the issues at quarterback that we've, we're, we're going to talk about a little later. But I, th- the thing is, I don't know how much Im- impact it's going to have on Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle because with how much they've been using him as a running back, there have been plenty of opportunities for both Ayuk and Kittle. I believe Ayuk is 12th in the NFL in uh, route share over the last, I believe it was four weeks. Um, so he's been playing right around 95% of the snap or 95% of the pass routes. George Kittle has been, you know, being used similarly. And so I don't know if, I mean, I guess there's less competition for targets uh, with Debo out, but I think both of those guys, you know, generally will keep on rolling. Kittle's going to be a top three to five tight end for me. And Ayuk, I, I still don't trust him as a top 24 wide receiver moving forward, but, um, you know, definitely someone who's going to be hard to get away from. I think it's a pretty big deal because, you know, you could see a scenario where there's a game for Ayuk where he gets three targets because Debo got 10. Sure. And I think Kittle and Ayuk are going to dominate target share now. And then you also, for Elijah Mitchell, this is good news, I think, just because you don't have to worry about Debo getting eight carries and scoring a rushing touchdown. But at the same time, I mean, he is obviously one of the best, surprising to me, one of the best wide receivers in football. He's going to, this offense is not going to be as good without him. No. I, I wouldn't think. Uh, so no, that's a that's a real concern here. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I, yeah, I think the impact for the offense as a whole is greater than the impact for Ayuk and Kittle in any given game. I guess would be the way to put it. Uh, by the way, just in from Ian Rappaport, Aaron Rodgers does not plan to have surgery on his toe at this time. That's per Rappaport and Tom Pelissero. At this time is key. The hope is during the bye it will heal and improve. Okay, let's go to. Uh, the Christian McCaffrey news here. He's out for the season. And Chuba Hubbard, in the five games that McCaffrey missed, he was, I just want to get the exact numbers here. I think he was the number. I believe num- he averaged 12.9 PPR points per game in those games. Yeah, he was number uh, about 18th in both formats, non-PPR and full PPR. Why on earth can't I find? Oh, because it's in a different section. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, yeah, he was 18th in, in non. He was 19th in full PPR. But still obviously worth using. He scored double-digit non-PPR and full PPR points in three of five games. He had two games with four to five catches and three games with one to two catches. So that was always kind of unpredictable, his role there. Now, Heath kind of mentioned this on yesterday's show, and Dave, that Heath, I think they don't think that Hubbard, well, Heath for sure said, he doesn't think Hubbard's going to be as good as he was. I think I think he said he won't have the same type of role because they like Abdullah a bit. So yeah, I mean they've been they've Abdullah has four or more targets in four of the last five games. He played two thirds of the snaps yesterday after McCaffrey left the game. Now, obviously, that was a weird situation because they were chasing points most of the game, but it I kind of agree with Heath. I don't think Hubbard is going to be a must start fantasy running back moving forward. I think he's a must add, though. Would you agree with that? Even with a bye this week. Um you know, it depends. Like, I think I might rather, I would rather, h- how many must-add running backs can there be? Well, I'd rather have him I, than any Jets or Texans running back. Um, 
I think Other that's probably fair. Not my, well, I would Carter, rather have Jamal rather. Williams than Oh, him. yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, Alexander well, Madison is. I'd rather have Jamal Williams for as long as Swift is out. But McCaffrey's out for the season. Swift, I don't even know if he's going to miss a game. Right, we don't know if Swift's going to miss a game. If you need somebody for Week 13, but if you're looking rest of season, would you rather have him? I guess you'd rather have him than Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard. But it's close. I just... Yeah, Abdullah, they seem to really like him in the passing game. And if he's going to have that role, it's going to make it really, really hard. And then here's the other thing. Oh, wow. I just, oh, I, I hope you're going where. Did you just, I just see it? Yeah. I just incredibly talk, difficult his, his uh, schedule is yeah. on the stretch. I just talked myself uh, out of Chuba Hubbard. It's over. It's, it's, yeah, it's over. I believe it's Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans. Yep. That's, uh, and that's the fantasy playoffs. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm not sure who it is in week 14. I didn't it's Atlanta. see that. Atlanta, so that's fine. But then 15 through 17, Buffalo, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, you're looking at a guy who may not have much of a passing game role, at least based on you know what we've seen over the last few weeks and especially yesterday. Um, yeah, Hubbard may just be like a... Like, Desperation. Who would you rather have rest of the season, Damian Harris or Chuba Hubbard? I was going to ask you that. I think uh, given that schedule... Oh, I, I think, think I go. I think I go Hubbard, but I think, yeah, I think it's close. And I'm not super excited about Damian Harris. Is the right. the reason he's the player that I picked? Okay, Cam Newton, by the way, expected to start in Week 13, but PJ Walker could play, and Sam Darnold's on his way back as well. So they are off. Uh, oh, that's Week 14. I'm sorry, they're off in Week 13, and they'll be back in Week 14 to face the Falcons. And then we'll just see how it plays out with Ezekiel Elliott on Thursday at New Orleans. But you got the best run defense in football and an ineffective running back with splitting work. I think if you have Tony Pollard and Zeke, you, you know, you're obviously hoping, I think you're hoping for Zeke to, to at least sit one game. And that's uh, my, that would be my expectation at this point, based on what we've heard. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he, ha- he, he really doesn't have a history of like just sitting out, right? Like he, when he's been, I guess last season it was like that lingering calf injury that that he finally missed a game with, but I don't know if it was like a, an acute injury rather than something that had been lingering. Um, he plays, he plays yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's generally he 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 generally does play, and he doesn't really play like a limited role when he plays. So that that's the frustrating thing is if you're if you're looking at week uh, thirteen on Thursday night, if he plays, it's probably not going to just be like Aaron Jones yesterday where he only played, you know, where he only got 11 touches. He's probably going to still have a significant role. All right, let's go to uh, Baltimore 16 and Cleveland 10. And Zeke will probably be better than Nick Chubb was yesterday. Eight carries for 16 yards, two catches for 23 yards. And uh, Nick Chubb already has four games this year with fewer than 12 PPR fantasy points. Last season, he had two. Two games, not counting the game he left with an injury after six yeah. carries. He had only two games with fewer than 12 PPR fantasy points. And really, this is shocking. Like, not shocking, but this is kind of cool. His 16-game pace, I'm going to compare last year's 16-game pace to this year's. 268 carries last year, 267 this year. 1,489 rushing yards last year, 1,554 this year. But 17 touchdowns. That was his 16 game pace last year. 11 this year. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 like clockwork. When he scores, he has a huge game. When he doesn't, he's fine. Um, yeah, I mean that, that's the hard thing with with a player like this who doesn't catch passes. Is you're 
you're dependent on big plays and touchdowns basically. And, and he's a great big play player. And so, you know, you, you look at like week, week 11, he had 22.9 PPR points, which is a great game, but you know, that partially that was because he caught a receiving touchdown. If it wasn't for that game, it would have been a really good game. It would have been 16.4, but you know, that's the thing is that when you're talking about him, it's, like he's likely to be a high end or maybe mid range RB two most weeks, and then mm, the I don't know if is, I agree with that. Do you think it's too high or too low? No, I think he's likely to be an RB one most weeks. He was RB eight per game uh, going into last night's game. I don't know what he's okay. right now, but I, so yeah, we what always, I was saying is more like low end RB one, yeah. high end RB two, and the question in is, full PPR. Yeah. If he get yeah, in full PPR. If he gets into the end zone, he's a high end RB one. If he doesn't, it's more like that RB two range. Yep. But yep. it's like a high floor every week. The problem is that offense is awful right now. And they just they lost Jack Conklin four, for the season. Yeah, they've scored fourteen or fewer points, I believe, in five four of their last five. Uh, I believe. They had the one big game against Cincinnati, and even that one, I think the defense set them up with a couple of short fields. Um that Chris Collinsworth said it many times on last night's broadcast. They don't have any wide receivers that can really get open. Yeah. Baker totally. Mayfield looks awful. He's beat up. Um, and yeah, they might not have their left tackle. This is every, basically everything went right for the Cleveland Browns in a lot of ways last season. Obviously not every single thing, but I don't know their offensive line only lost a few games total last season among the starters. And then that hasn't been the case this season. And you're starting to see that, an offense built around the run needs a lot of things to go right to be really good in, yeah. in today's NFL. And to their to be fair to them, I mean they they thought Beckham they thought they'd have a little bit of both, right? But Beckham hasn't panned out and Mayfield's playing through everything. So if we're just looking at the Brown side of things, you're still gonna start Chubb. What yep. about Kareem Hunt and Jarvis Landry going forward? Landry with 111 yards, his best game. He still has not caught a touchdown this year. He scored a couple of rushing touchdowns, I believe, but but anyway, I mean, this is what we were hoping for from Jarvis Landry. It was a season high in pass attempts, by the way, for Baker Mayfield at 37. Uh, but do you think Hunt and Landry are good starts going forward? I think Hunt is. I think Hunt's still in the RB2 discussion. Um, Landry, he's going to be more like a wide receiver three, and there's not a lot of good ones of those right now, unfortunately. So it's... um. It's going to be tough to go away from him, but I don't expect exactly have high expectations for him. I think he'll probably rank in the 25 to 30 range most weeks. On the Ravens side of the ball, Lamar Jackson's going to be part of a bigger discussion we have later about quarterbacks, but he has now scored 16 points at Miami and 10 fantasy points against Cleveland in his last two games. And he has now had... Um, his last two games have been his lowest in terms of yards per attempt on the season. He's also the first quarterback to win a game with four interceptions in the last 41 instances of a quarter. Well, 42, I guess. 41 straight quarterbacks who threw four interceptions lost until Lamar Jackson last night. Um, yeah. I, there's a lot of fantasy-relevant players actually on the Ravens. Did anything change for you going forward in terms of going into the game? Lamar Jackson was a must-start. Marquise Brown, Marcus, Mark, uh, Mark Andrews, must starts. Devontae Freeman on the, you know, on the edge. Did anything change mm -hmm. for you after last night? No, not really, because I don't expect this offense to be that bad moving forward. Um, Marquise Brown is the really, the the really frustrating one because his he's basically fallen off a cliff since Rashad Bateman became active. I think he's played five games with Rashad Bateman. 
he's had two really good ones and three pretty bad ones. Um, but Who's overall, this? I think he's averaging. What's that? Who are you talking about? Uh, Marquise Brown. Oh, sorry. I was. I saw. I got a DeAndre Swift update, so I lost track there. Go ahead. I'll give you the update after. Uh, yeah. So Marquise Brown, he's on pace. He, he's averaging sixty-four yards per game over the last four or last five games. That's, I believe, coincides directly with Rashad Bateman making his. No, sorry. That's. Uh, yeah, Bateman played six games. Okay, so that's going back to week six. Yeah. He's averaging 63, but he has fewer than 50, 51 yards or fewer in three of those five. Yeah, but um, I, it is the same because Brown missed the game. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you were right. So Brown's had two big games, three pretty mediocre ones. The problem is he's getting a ton of targets. I think he's 54 targets over those four games. That's like something like a 176 target pace over 16 games, I think is what it was. And the, the issue is that he's averaging six yards per target, 5.9 yards per target over the last five games. If you told me Marquise Brown was going to keep getting 11 targets per game, I think he'd be a top 10 wide receiver moving forward. And the question, I guess, is, is Rashad Bateman the reason Marquise Brown is averaging 5.9 yards per target over the past five games? It's the My ADOT. assumption is no. It's the, it's the offense is changing right now. And this is, I think it's part of what you're going to talk about later. It's the A dot. I mean, his ADOT, his last three games have been season lows. Mm-hmm. And so he's turned into this sort of like PPR machine where he's getting a bunch of catches, but no big plays earlier in the year. I mean, you can just close your eyes and picture in your head all the times Lamar Jackson was throwing the ball deep to Marquise Brown. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is not throwing the ball deep anymore. Not lately. And maybe that changes. Maybe it's fluky, but either way, it's fine for Brown. Yeah. In, in PPR. But yeah, I mean, I, I would, turn him loose, I man. A, and I would say he's a buy just because, you know, remember we saw a stretch almost in the exact same stretch of the season last year. I think it was weeks eight through 11 where he had, gosh, I want to say he had like 90 yards over a four game stretch or something like that. It was really bad. And then he finished the season out really strong. It was 534 yards over the final eight games, including the playoffs. So I think with Brown, you just, you trust the role and you trust that the production is going to be there. Um, so right. I, he's still probably going to be a top 15 wide receiver for me moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I still, tr- I still trust him more than say chase Claypool. Yes, for sure. Now Waddle versus Marquise Brown is tough. I think I'd probably still go Marquise Brown. I would still go Brown. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Deandre Swift, it seems very unlikely to play. Dan Campbell says that it's hard to say that you'd see him play Sunday. So that that's, that makes sense. I mean, it's a yeah. shoulder sprain. It's not like a, you know, when they when it got reported that like he avoided a serious injury, my assumption was still like, okay, he avoided a serious injury, but that doesn't mean he's going to play. So that's that's where I'm at. Comment from Sam: Lamar hasn't been that bad until the last two weeks. Chris, could it be the offensive line? And my gosh, the Browns were all over him yesterday. So that was definitely an issue. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Yeah, and. I mean, Cleveland's got a really good defensive line. There's not a lot of offense. Uh, there's not a lot of teams that can pressure the quarterback with a guy like Miles Garrett. Um, yep. So I don't know. It, it could be that issue. I, I can't say I've looked that deeply into like I haven't watched the film to to say that, but I do think it's it's sort of tied into a larger trend, like we're going to talk about. Yeah, and so two weeks ago, or I guess three weeks ago, for Lamar Jackson since he missed a game, the Dolphins blitzed him 
consistently. Yes. They zero blitzed him. They basically brought everyone, had no safeties. The Browns don't do that. Collinsworth had mentioned that they had done that type of blitz eight times all season. So they're not that type of team. They get pressure with their front four with Clowney and, and Garrett. Um, so it was a different strategy, but the same effect. He was under pressure a lot. And that might, I mean, look, you can't sit Lamar Jackson with the state of the quarterback position, but maybe if you're thinking yeah. from a DFS standpoint, you might want to consider the opponent and if they can put some pressure on. All right, we got to move forward here. I want to tell you about something that's going on till the end of the day. 25% off all products in the CBS Sports Store, including FFT merch. Go to store.cbssports.com, store.cbssports.com, or click the link in the episode description. You can get an FFT hoodie, you can have a beer and an FFT pint, or you can work out in FFT joggers. Go to store.cbssports.com. You can also shop by podcast there. And uh, yeah, you got some great FFT stuff. And 25% off everything in the CBS Sports Store uh, today. So enjoy Cyber Monday. Some other news items. Mike McCarthy is not going to coach on Thursday. He has COVID. Cliff Kingsbury hopeful that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins will play this week. Teddy Bridgewater should be fine. And Tampa Bay getting Carlton Davis back this week, starting cornerback, most likely anyway. But Jamel Dean, another starting cornerback, is going to be questionable. And that's pretty much it. Dan Arnold is out four to six weeks for the Jaguars. Let's get to the five big topics and Jacob Gibbs. Here we go. What's up, Jacob? What's up, Adam? I am uh, sporting my FFT in five joggers right now. Just there you go. All right. (laughs) Store.cbsports.com, everybody. Get yourself some joggers. Okay. So, Chris, break down what you've seen, what you're noticing from the quarterbacks over the last five weeks of the season. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, so I wrote about this in a piece on CBS Fantasy this morning. And and basically what you're seeing is fantasy, well, passing production in general across the league has really taken a massive dive over the past five weeks in particular. Uh, Just to sum it up, on average, passing yards per game have dropped from 246.6 per game to 220.4. Completion percentage down 66% to 64%. Yards per attempt down from 7.44 to 6.91. Touchdown rate from 4.8% to 4.0%. Interception rate down up 2.2% to 2.7%. Passer rating 94.9 to 86.5. Um, and wow. what you're seeing is teams are throwing the ball down the field a lot less. Average intended air yards per pass attempt has fallen from 8.1 to 7.4. Uh, the rate of total passes that have gone at least 21 air yards down the field has dropped from 11.2% to 9.4%. So what what it looks like, at least in the numbers, I can't say like I haven't gone through all 32 teams and watched every pass play and charted it and you know said, seen what the defense is doing, but what it seems is that teams are being less aggressive throwing the ball down the field. And despite that, we're not seeing either an increase in, you know, efficiency or, you know, fewer negative plays. We're still seeing more interceptions. And it kind of looks like on a macro scale, we're seeing what happened to, you know, Patrick Mahomes in the middle part of the season. What we've seen a little bit from Josh Allen at times this season, which is teams taking away the deep ball and the opposing off the, the offense is not being able to make them pay with passes underneath. Um, it's a really interesting trend and it's a really like these are significant changes to happen during the middle of the season. You know, 
it's not last season we did see some uh changes in offensive production as the season went on things started out really really hot and got progressively slightly worse but this is a much bigger drop than what we saw last season jacob what's your reaction to this I really don't um, know what to think of it. I think it's mostly, if I had to guess, just uh, something that was bound to happen because of the really hot start. Um, I think Tom Brady is the one who like exemplifies it perfectly. He All those touchdowns were coming early in the year, and we just see stuff like that balance out. Um, where they had four or five rushing touchdowns yesterday. Right. Um, yeah, I haven't thought about it much. I, I did look over the past five years and just kind of compare what we have during that time to what we've seen you know, in the, the splits that Chris gave and – it's definitely way down. I, I, I'm I'm really curious to hear what you guys think about it because I really don't have much of a takeaway. It's hard to know what to think about it, Chris. I, I yeah. do think that we know in specific cases, like the Chiefs and the Bills a little bit. I think maybe the mm-hmm. Bills went slightly overrated, overstated, but that teams were certainly taking, trying their best to take away the deep ball and having some pretty good success with it. Yeah. Uh, so it's forced these quarterbacks to... Yeah, throw underneath a lot more, throw short a lot more. Yeah, like one, the, the problem is like right now, the, look, this is a question that much, much smarter people than me certainly will will be trying to figure out. And maybe it's just, um, maybe it's just noise. You know, maybe it's just that the way bye weeks and injuries and, and things like that have stacked up and and, it, and it'll, it's, it's all just, it's a weird five-week stretch, you know, because it does overlap with, um, you know, some of the bigger bye weeks and and maybe that's part of it. But my if I had to make a hypothesis, you know, one thing that I think would make sense is that teams are, you know, given the the historic passing numbers we saw last season and the incredible production that we saw from offenses early in this season, it wouldn't shock me if teams were starting to adjust their defensive philosophies to focus first on taking away big plays in the passing game, which generally isn't how teams defend, you know, because big plays in the passing game are relatively rare events. Teams will focus on trying to take away other things first. Um, and so maybe that's what we're seeing, but all in all, when, when you're talking about the, the impact for fantasy, my assumption would be that this would be better for running quarterbacks, that it would make running quarterbacks more effective. If every, buddies passing numbers are taking a hit you would think that the running quarterbacks would be relatively more valuable for fantasy but you know that that wasn't necessarily the case certainly this week you know Lamar Jackson Jalen Hurts and Cam Newton uh I don't know if they combined for 20 points this week (laughs) I don't Um, think they uh yeah I think they did because Cam got you five or six or something yeah Uh, I can tell you the top quarterbacks from weeks eight well, to twelve, three three of the four were Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, and um, oh, who was the fourth one? And they combined for two rushing yards between them, I believe. Oh, Josh I, I, Allen was number one. Oh, uh, was it uh, Wentz? Uh, let, let me find the exact. Uh, well, I was going to give you over the last five weeks this whole stretch. Who's the okay. top quarterbacks? Justin Herbert is number one. I'll give you four points. It's a pretty similar list, but in four-point leagues, Justin Herbert is your number one quarterback over the last five weeks, and that's with him really not playing that well. He had two yeah. huge games, two bad games, and then last week, yesterday, he cobbled together 23 points and really struggled. Josh Allen is two. Rodgers is three. This is per game, per game. Rodgers, three. Lamar Jackson, Prescott, Cousins, Brady, 
Stafford, Garoppolo, Hertz, Heineke, Mahomes. That's four point per passing touchdown. Six point per passing touchdown leagues, your top 12 quarterbacks over the last five weeks per game. Herbert, Rodgers, Allen, Cousins, Brady, Stafford. I mean, just think about that. Her, has Herbert played well? No, he's really struggled lately. Has Stafford played well? He's thrown a pick six in three straight yeah. games. He's a number six quarterback over the last five weeks. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, uh, Mahomes, Garoppolo, Wentz, and Heineke. Heineke showing up in the top 12 and two of the, in both lists, four and uh, six-point passing touchdown leagues. And there has not been anyone, I don't think, that's been good for even four out of five games. Maybe, you know, Rodgers. Maybe Rodgers. Rod, well, Rodgers missed one yeah. game and stunk against the Seahawks. So, and then he wasn't even that good against Arizona. So it's really just been because Adams was out. So I think for Rodgers, it's really just been the last two weeks. Um, yeah. All right. So let me, let me spin it forward here, guys. People are, people are really struggling right now, you know, with quarterback, they're furious. They're pissed off at their starting quarterbacks, fantasy managers. I'm talking about here, which quarterbacks are you concerned about? Which must start quarterbacks are you concerned about going forward? Jacob, you can start. <laughs> um, I guess I'm a little bit concerned about what we've seen from Stafford. We've talked about Russell Wilson at length uh, last week. He definitely would make the list. Um, no one else really stands out to me. I'm a little bit concerned about what we've seen with the Chargers, just the low ADOT um, and just some of the weird stuff they've been doing with our offense. Um, but like someone like Jalen Hurts, who we'll get to more later, I'm, I'm not worried about. Um, is there anyone I'm missing? I feel like those are the no, only guys. Stafford and Herbert out. are definitely come yeah. to mind because Herbert, I think when, you know, look, he he tore up the Steelers. They were a shell of themselves. But yeah. every time I watch Herbert, other than that Steelers game, he's completely, un- and even in that game, he's under duress all the time. His line stinks, but he ran for 90 yards against the Steelers. He was under pressure a lot yesterday, I thought anyway. And so, yeah, I mean, I, he's he's been below a 60% completion percentage in three of the last five and, and, you know, when you're if you're throwing a bunch of deep passes, that's fine. But that really hasn't been the approach that they've had. So it's been it's been a little it's been weird to see because you would think let fewer throws to Mike Williams, throw fewer of those downfield throws. Okay, maybe you're trading some uh, you know some efficiency or, or some big plays for some efficiency, but that hasn't really been the case for him. And Stafford's not playing well. I, I think it is very obvious. Just yeah. you don't have to have seen every play to know it. He's not playing well. He's obviously hurt. He was really out, just well, throwing he's behind got, receivers and out of sync yesterday. I think that it was arm, elbow, back, and hand, I think, were the injuries he's dealing with. Maybe a knee in there somewhere as well. Uh, mm-hmm. We got that report prior to the game. Um, yeah, he's beat up. And and look, maybe that's uh, a question. A, an explanation for some of the league wide trends we're seeing as a whole, you know, maybe, maybe that's part of it, but it's, um, I, I think you have to be concerned about Stafford and not, not just because of that, but also they're playing without Robert Woods. Um, we don't know what the impact of that's going to be on their offense. And, and just generally speaking, this is a very thin team. You know, the, the Rams are not a team that can really afford a lot of injuries. Like that's just the nature of their team. It's something we saw, with the Falcons during the, you know, higher end days of Matt Ryan's careers, when everybody was healthy and clicking, things were pretty good. But um, when you build a team that way, you know, you're, you're very volatile. And so maybe that's something that we're seeing with the Rams as well. Right. At the end of the day, though, if you've got a stud quarterback who's been struggling, it's not like those are the only quarterbacks who are seeing 
struggles, right? I mean, you're right. not going to trust streamers over Matthew Stafford for the most part. We might want to consider on a week-to-week basis, but I don't know that there's much we can do, and I, I would like to wrap this subject up unless yep. you have one final thought. Good? All right. I will take a break. I mean, because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. The bottom line is it's very interesting. I don't know what you're going to do about it. You might not win your league because of your starting quarterback anymore. You might not mm-hmm. need to have a little bit more depth on your roster. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about some waiver wire running backs. We'll talk about the Packers backfield and what that split's going to look like. Jalen Hurts, David Montgomery. That's coming up after this quick break on Fantasy Football Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Our second big topic is from Adrian. Trust your running backs like Aaron Jones, Miles Gaskin, Damian Harris, etc., or go to the waiver wire. For Dontrell Hilliard, Deontay Foreman, Matt Breida, etc. So, Jacob, what do you think about just the waiver wire running backs compared to the guys you've been starting going forward? Yeah, I wouldn't drop any of the trio that you named um, for any of the you know waiver wire trio. Of the two groups, I think uh, Foreman is the first that I would add. I know it's you know really exciting what we've seen from Hilliard, but I do expect Jeremy McNichols to be back and possibly cut into his role, whereas Foreman seems like he's clearly the guy in early downs, and they've been really committed to the run. Um, AJ, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with A.J. Brown you know, out on the R and Julio possibly coming back, like I just would expect him to continue to try to you know lean on the run game, and he's the guy who seems to have the early down role. Um, but even with that said, I don't, I don't think I would drop Aaron Jones or Harris for sure. Maybe Gaskin, um, just because there are a lot of obstacles um, for him you know, to continue to be fantasy relevant. He has to avoid... Um, he's still not getting passing down work. That's mostly going to Patrick Laird. Um, and then Philip Lindsay, they immediately gave quite a few carries. He barely played in around a single route, but like when he was on the field, they were getting the ball intentionally. Um, Malcolm Brown could be back. Yeah. Um, so like there's there's just a lot there. But I mean, the fantasy schedule is decent for Gaskin if he's able to retain the role. So even him, he's not someone I'd really like to drop unless it's a, a waiver wire running back that we feel. Well, really it's not about, about dropping. I think it's more about sitting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The Aaron Jones is tough because AJ Dillon is so clearly a big part of the offense. And um, this one actually stunned me, but between weeks 10 and 12, uh, Jones was out in week 11, but between weeks 10 and 12, AJ Dillon has 13 snaps inside of the 10 yard line, only four for Aaron Jones. That's pretty shocking. Wait, but Um, okay. That's so I actually looked into this a little bit. Okay. I don't really count yesterday. I don't think okay. that's Aaron Jones. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's clearly just a limited Aaron Jones. Okay. So week 11 was no Aaron Jones. Dylan, yeah. And then I don't exactly have the split for week mm-hmm. 10, but Jones left that game late in the third quarter, right around the beginning of the fourth quarter. And I did see that... I was just looking at them in short yardage. I saw that Dylan had four carries on second or third down from one to two or three yards to gain in the fourth quarter alone. Okay. So I just, I feel like that stat might not be clear. I, you know what? I don't want to get too into this because that's our next topic. Okay. But we'll go further in. It's a lot, there's a lot there. It's like, but, I, I want to go back to, yeah, yeah. to go back to miles Gaskin. 
the big issue for me with him is like like uh, Jacob said, if he if he keeps the role, I think he's going to be a useful fantasy option. He might just be a must start guy moving forward. The problem is, and look, yards per carry is not a a perfect stat, but he's averaging two point eight yards per carry over the past uh, five games. He's averaging thirteen point two receiving yards per game in that stretch. He just happens to have four touchdowns, so he's been better for fantasy, but. I, I think you're kind of looking at a Mike Davis situation where if anyone could step up and give them something better, he would probably be losing playing time. The thing with Philip Lindsay yesterday, I did look into this. They had four running backs play at least 18% of the snaps yesterday. I believe the Dolphins did, but they were up big in the second half. And Lindsay, I think 11 of his 15 snaps came in the second half. So not necessarily sure how much to take away from that. Although, Look, we've seen Lindsey play at a Pro Bowl level. If he can show flashes of that, it wouldn't be shocking at all if Miles Gaskin started to lose work very quickly because he's been so ineffective for so much of the season. They just haven't had a another guy come up and take the job like the Falcons did with Patterson. Yeah, I don't think I'm sitting Gaskin for Hilliard or Foreman. Well, first no. of all, you're it's not really a worthwhile conversation for the two for that particular uh comparison because Titans are on a bye this week, and then Dolphins are on a bye the following week. Yeah. So you won't have to make that decision. But just in general, I mean, I, I think this is a really damn good running back waiver wire week because obviously you have Madison in shallower leagues. He's 78% rostered. You have Chuba Hubbard, who you could pick up at least for week 14 against Atlanta. What He's 62% rostered, I think. Mm-hmm. You have Jamal Williams, who is around 60% rostered. Now, if they're not available for you, I, I certainly think Hilliard and Foreman are worth picking up. I don't know. Again, it's if you're in a deep league, they're not going to be available. I think Breed is worth picking up. I even think Kadri Allison is worth picking up. I have very low expectations, but Mike Davis is... I could see him just replacing Mike Davis and being a guy who can give you yeah. 10 fantasy points or something in a in a decent and week. Did you mention Tevin Coleman? No, Tevin Coleman's another I, guy. He had 16 carries yesterday. You know, like I, It's not... These aren't, outside of Madison, these aren't guys who are probably going to win you your leagues. And... You know, in a deeper league, Philip Lindsay's probably worth adding too. Um, you know, these aren't guys who are going to win you your leagues, but they're they're all they're all at least looking somewhat fantasy relevant. But no, yeah. I as far as the specific question, like I wouldn't be looking to sit Aaron Jones, Miles Gaskin, Damian Harris for them. H- Harris is pretty interesting. You know, yes, it depends on the specifics and the matchups because Harris. Like a lot of these guys, he's going to need a touchdown to to really have a good game. All right, Jacob, what do you think about the Packers' backfield? That's our next topic. What do you do with the Green Bay backfield? This is from Henry Wood and everyone else in the world. What do you do here with them? (laughs) Yeah, I would start by saying that Jones played 65% of the snaps in the first half uh, this week. Um, I think they kind of limited his work in the second half because the game was a little bit out of hand, and he was obviously banged up coming in. They've got the bye coming up, so... um, in terms of what the role would look like going forward, we really don't know, but I do think he's, you know, the one a, um, I am interested to hear your short yardage, um, stats, but just real quick, you mentioned week 10, um, in that game, it was Dylan who was getting the red zone work as well. Um, even before the second half was same thing where they were up early and Jones got a little bit banged up in the first half, Dylan outsnapped him, um, eight to three in the red zone and out touched him the red zone as well. Um, same thing we saw yesterday. I touched him 6-1 in the red zone, played 71% of the snaps in the red zone, A.J. Dillon was. Um, so I, I think we have seen them kind of move towards 
that at least in the red zone and on the 10 yard line, um, in terms of the like short yardage snaps, I, you had specific stats on that as well, right? Well, I just looked, Aaron Jones has had 15 or 16 carries with one to two, one to three yards to gain. And he has converted a first down on all but two of them. He has been incredible in those short yarded situations. Dylan, I wa- he's got double. He's got something like 33 carries from, but almost all, it's amazing. Almost all of them have been in the last three weeks or about, no, about half of them. So he's gotten so many of those short yardage carries in the last few weeks. Uh, so it was probably fairly even before the injury to Aaron Jones. Um, and I, his keys converted a lot of them too. I don't have the exact stat, but I went and I watched all of them and he's just, he's exactly what you think. I mean, he's a bowling ball. He's so hard to tackle. He's perfect for that role. The only problem is Aaron Jones is, has, is one of the best running backs in football. He's proven yeah. that for two and a half years. He's great in that role. He's great in the passing game. He is, he's amazing. So I think right now, based on the comments I've seen, and I, you know, sometimes I take five comments and I think the whole world feels this way. But I think people are riding the Dylan momentum right now, and I think they're counting out Aaron Jones a little bit. But I believe that he's built up the equity with the Packers, and I think he'll be the better running back as long as he's healthy. I can't well, guarantee that he's healthy, but I literally like, also yeah. l- literal equity. They made a yeah. huge investment in him this offseason, so right. I don't think he's just going to go away. Um, he's their guy. To to a certain extent, there is a little bit of the Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon thing where it's just like we keep we want the young, exciting guy to just take over. Um, I don't think it's going to be as much of an even split as Gordon and Williams. I think Jones is going to be a one a and you know, the, the one thing that I will take out from the last uh, from two of the last three games, the one Jones didn't play and obviously excluded Jones still ran 45 routes to 28 for um Dylan. So I know Dylan's been good in the passing game, but I would still expect Aaron Jones to be uh, a more valuable part of the passing game than AJ Dylan moving forward. I do think you can look at it and say, well, maybe AJ Aaron Jones probably isn't a top six running back anymore. Maybe he's not a top 12 running back anymore. Maybe they're both in the RB two range. Maybe Dylan's a lower end RB two and Jones is a higher end RB two, but it also does mean that this offense like really needs to focus on the running backs in the red zone for both of them to have that kind of value. If they go with, you know, what we saw more of in 2020 where Aaron Jones was, or where Aaron Rodgers was scoring a majority of the touchdowns close to the end zone, it could be really tough for Jones and Dylan to both be fantasy viable starters. Yeah. I'll give you the numbers. So weeks one through three, A.J. Dillon was barely involved. He had yeah. five five carries per game, one to two catches. Weeks four through nine, before the Aaron Jones injury, Aaron Jones had 75 carries and 23 catches, and A.J. Dillon had 61 carries and 10 catches. They both averaged 4.8 or 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, Jones was, believe it or not, not even a top 20 running back per game. For that stretch, that six-game stretch, he was 16th in non-PPR. He was 12th in full PPR. A.J. Dillon was not... He was outside the top 30 uh, in that six-game stretch. But the reason why for Jones is he had only two touchdowns, and Dillon had only one. So, you know, that's unusual for Aaron Jones. He was still getting about 100 total yards most of the weeks and still getting a lot of catches, averaging four per game. 
but uh, an unusually low number of touchdowns. So I guess what I'm saying is you do have a sample of him being very involved in the passing game, four catches per game, mm-hmm. out carrying A.J. Dillon, but not scoring. Scoring twice in six games, and that made him overall number 12 in PPR, but 23rd per game. And Dillon was even worse. Presumably, Dillon would score more touchdowns than he did in that stretch where he only had one. But uh, yeah, it was ugly, but I think a little, probably a little fluky. Just You would not expect those two to combine for, th- for three touchdowns in six games. Yeah. All right, Jacob, any final thoughts there? You good? Um, I just would say that, like, although he didn't have a ton of touchdowns during that time stretch, he just gave like Aaron Jones was clearly the guy in the red zone. Um, he had this fourth highest snap rate um, among running backs in the red zone up till week nine, and the second highest from inside the ten. He was like clearly, clearly their guy. Um, and while it didn't result in a ton of touchdowns, if he has lost that role, that does clearly impact his fantasy value. And I think he yes. would probably be outside of the top twelve, like we mentioned. Um, All right. Which is, uh, sorry, Jacob. I know you wanted to talk about Jalen Hurts. Everybody wants to talk about. Everybody in America wants to talk about Jalen Hurts. So Rodrigo <laughs> asks, "What should we do about Jalen Hurts? Six points at the Giants yesterday, and since they changed their offense and went super run heavy, which they didn't even do yesterday, which was stupid. Uh, he has scored eleven, eight, twenty-two, twenty-nine, and six fantasy points in six point per passing touchdown leagues. Jacob, what do we do with Jalen Hurts?" I think don't overreact. Keep starting him um, and just be glad that you have like one of the most consistent fantasy quarterbacks there is. I know that is frustrating to hear after the game he just gave you, um, but he's finished as a top 12 quarterback in 10 of 12 games. Uh, no one else even has more than eight top 12 finishes. Uh, he's been top six in six different weeks. Only Josh Allen and Tom Brady have that many top six finishes. So he's giving you consistency and he's giving you a lot of upside. His fantasy playoff schedule is cake. Um, and he's rushing more than ever before. 39 rushing attempts across the past three games. Um, and double-digit rushing attempts, and I five is past seven. So, yeah, what do you do with Jalen Hurts? I think you just keep starting him and keep enjoying what he's been giving you, keep winning probably. Uh, I, I don't know. It's possible he gets benched, but uh, as long as he's on the field, he's going to be really fantasy relevant with a rushing I'd, I'd be stunned if he got benched. Like, yeah. Maybe this ankle thing is is a you know more of a concern and it limits him in practice this week or something, but I would be shocked if they benched Jalen Hurts for, for Gardner Minshew. And I think... You know, a big part of why he's got the three subpar games over the last five since this stretch where they changed how their offense works, like he only has three touchdowns in those five games as a passer and only three rushing touchdowns, actually, and all of those came in one game. Generally speaking, if you told me Jalen Hurts was going to have 109 pass attempts and 56 rush attempts over a five-game stretch, my assumption would probably be that you'd probably see 10 touchdowns total over a five-game stretch rather than six. You know, he he has a 2.7% passing touchdown rate right now over the past five games. Even with the changes in their approach, you would expect him to have a higher passing touchdown rate. And you could argue that he should have an even higher passing touchdown rate in this type of offense than you would expect in a more traditional type of offense because that's something we've seen from Lamar Jackson where they run so much between the 20s that the times they do pass should, in theory, be more valuable or more likely to result in touchdowns. And so I I just think there's been a bit of bad luck when it comes to his touchdown rates, both as a runner and a passer. And if that regresses, he's going to be, I mean, he's probably a top six quarterback, (laughs) you know, no worse than what, eight. It's not like there's a lot of guys doing really well right now anyway. Right. 
Yeah. So the only thing, Jacob, that I would that I wouldn't agree with from what you were saying about his consistency is I really split up Jalen Hurts' season into two parts, the first seven mm-hmm. games and the last five games because they just completely changed their offense. And in those last five games, he's been very inconsistent. He's had three yeah. total duds. Um, now, in this last game, his wide receivers dropped two touchdowns. Ward dropped one, and, mm-hmm. and Rager actually probably dropped two, but they were both on the same drive. This could have been a fine game for him, even though he played very poorly. I think there's pretty much consensus on that. He played poorly through three interceptions. Didn't just wasn't very good. Um, but still, he gives you that he can play poorly and still you know backdoor his way into a good game. Want to give you guys one more stat? Since I do separate the two seasons, basically first seven games and last five games. If you just look at passing yards and rushing yards in the first seven games, he was averaging 15 fantasy points on yards. In the last five games, he's averaging 12.4. So he is averaging two and a half fewer fantasy points per game on yardage alone in these last five games. So he has to do better with touchdowns. That's not good. No, I think that's fair. And I was surprised at those numbers too, but he was running so much beforehand. He's yeah, just it's not like his now. rushing production's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Uh, speaking of rushing dependent quarterbacks, yes. did we no, get on we the Taysom didn't. Hill news? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. So somebody in the chat pointed out, I forgot to bring it up. Taysom Hill is taking first team reps. I thought the news came out about the foot this morning. I thought that that would uh, preclude him from starting, but no, he is. looks like he's going to start this week. That is awesome. This could Look, man, really help people. It could. It could. The thing is, if the foot limits him as a rusher at all, this is going to be a disaster because I don't think he is. Uh, I think he's a significant step down from Trevor Simeon as a passer, and I don't think Trevor Simeon's any good. So Ooh, any chance this offense it has to be at all effective is going to be dependent to a very, very large extent on his rushing ability. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. Um, it's worrisome for Alvin Kamara, though. It's really, really concerning because they haven't been using him in the passing game as much this season. In general, the pass volume has not been there. Now with uh, with Taysom Hill, more likely to take off and scramble than dump it off to a running back if he's pressured. Um, and the fact that Kamara's been playing, you know, before this knee injury, when Mark Ingram was healthy, he'd been playing like 65% of the snaps instead of 80% of the snaps. I, I think Kamara's still an RB1, but I'm concerned about him moving forward. Certainly not one of the handful of elite running backs, although Hill could conceivably make him more efficient as a runner, at least, you know, in the, in, you know, introducing read option concepts and stuff like that, that could create more running room for Kamara. I think that last year he threw about 33%, almost a third of his passes went to Michael Thomas. Yes. So I'm hopeful that they just have no choice but to throw to Kamara and, you know, that, that won't be quite the same as it was last year. But you're right. I would love to see him lo- them use him more, even more like the Falcons use Cordero Patterson. Sure. Because, you know, they need line to. him up at wide receiver 20 times a game in addition to using him as a running back. They don't, they do use him as a wide receiver, but it's not quite to that extent. Last topic here is from Chris. Are we trusting David Montgomery going forward? Montgomery has played six games and he has only two games this year with more than seven non PPR fantasy points or 10 PPR. Fantasy points. I actually think he's played seven games this year. And he caught three balls last week, but he had only nine catches in six games before week 12. So um, are we trusting David Montgomery going forward, Jacob? 
I think so. Um, I mean, all the underlying data was still really good for him last week. He played 84% of the snaps, had 20 of 24 RB touches. Um, he ran a route on 74% of Chicago's dropbacks. And I did want to highlight his lack of targets. Um, he's dead last in target per route run rate among 32 qualified running backs on the year, um, which is surprising. He has only been targeted on 10% of his routes, down from 17.5% last year. Um, and there's no clear reason why he's being targeted so much less, especially with, you know, Allen Robinson not, you know, drawing targets the way he did last year. So if anything, I would expect him to be targeted more and everything else is there. The routes are there, the, you know, early down touches are there and he's playing almost all the snaps. So I definitely be trusting him. I think a lot of it is Justin Fields. Um, I, I looked it up last week. I think he has a 16 or 17% target share. Uh, for running backs so far this season. It might actually be even lower than that. Um, but even Dalton hasn't really thrown to the running backs all that much. I'm looking at it now. I think it's uh, 15 out of 109 targets have gone to running backs from Andy Dalton, which is, that's actually shocking because I would yeah. expect that more from from Fields than Dalton. Dalton, you would think, would be dumping it off. Um, My so point is really, that it's, I'm not surprised that his rate is lower, that he's drawing fewer targets than did last yeah. year. It's just like an unbelievably low rate. It's like J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Derrick Henry, those type of guys. That's the only people who are targeted at like 9 or 10%. Um, and that just doesn't mm-hmm. seem sustainable, even with fields. I trust him. I, su- I don't trust him. I start him, but I don't <laughs> trust him. <laughs> I, yeah, look. Yeah, I'll look, start Jamal Williams what ahead of him. What does the word mean? I'll start Jamal Williams ahead of him this week. And I'll say that without um, knowing the matchups. Let me get the matchups. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. But that's mostly just like I feel like Jamal Williams is almost a lock to get like six targets yes. if DeAndre Swift is out. And so that that alone is going to make it hard to to go away from him. He might be a top 12 running back uh, just based on that. But I'm I'm certainly not looking at Montgomery as someone that I'm likely to sit in in any leagues, really. Because I do think moving forward, I mean, we saw it last year when Tariq Cohen went down. It's just, it's the workload. Eventually, that workload is going to turn into fantasy points. If you're if you're getting 17 carries a game and you're playing nearly all of the passing routes, it's, it's going to turn in, into production at some point. And I'm not going to be able to go away from a guy with that kind of role. Okay, well, we... Uh... That was a good show. That was a lot of stuff. Comprehensive show today. All right. Yeah, Busy. A lot, and more news coming about. in, man. More news coming in. Uh, got, oh, so um, Eagles right guard Jack Driscoll is going on IR, but it, that might, might miss the rest of the season. But Jalen Hurts has a sore ankle. That's more important. And he says they'll know more on Wednesday about Jalen Hurts. So he's not a lock, I'd say, for this week. Jordan mm-hmm. Howard and Miles Sanders are heading in the right direction. Jason Kelsey also headed in the right direction. This is Nick Sirianni. Must be having a press conference right now. And I just got an email on my phone, something about a casserole uh, uh, that I could buy for on Cyber Monday. Okay, so I got to do some shopping. And don't get your casserole. Yeah, and don't forget to go to store.cbsports.com. And thanks to Jacob and to Chris and all of you for watching and listening. Have a great day. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football. Today.